Mandrake, I suppose it never occurred to you that while we're chatting here so enjoyably, a decision is being made, there will be only one course of action open. Total commitment. I can no longer sit back and allow communist infiltration, communist indoctrination, communist subversion, and the international communist conspiracy to sap and impurify all of our precious bodily fluids. Hey, I'm Kyle. Thanks for joining me and Andy for the Legendary Creature Podcast. So if you're listening with your kids or your conservative grandma, maybe don't, because we swear. Or some shit like that. Dude, Kyle, how many mono blue decks do you have? I have one, and I literally built it a few months ago. Okay, how do you feel about it? I I like it. Um, I think it's... I think it's like... You know, it's like the... The needle hole, right? Like, it's hard to, like... Get that thing threaded. Yeah. And Thread make it work. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Um... So I was thinking about it, and I think there's only three that have existed in our meta, including the one that you're talking about. Okay, so I have Unesh currently. Okay, and then we have Cody playing Talrand. Okay. And then there was a time and a place and a land long forgotten that Brad had a uh, Tromocratus list. Yes. That one. That was a really good deck. That was an annoying ass deck for some reason, right? Yeah, I mean, no, not for some reason. It was because it was. <laughs> there like were he, very specific he, reasons. He that... made it fucking annoying, right? <laughs> but then I don't know, like, like all of Brad's, you know, whims and whimsies. It just kind of, you just... know, did it. He does his time with the deck and he moves on. Yeah, he's like, oh, I took it apart. It's done. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I I explored that to its end, and now I'm done. Um, why do you think there's only have been three blue decks? Well, I, it, it's a popular color in Commander. Probably, it, definitely top color. Definitely is a top color because I think so. If we go back to our early days of playing Commander, yeah, um, Andy was a budding blue player. Guess how many mono blue decks I have? You have had zero. I've ever, had zero ever, ever. So ever. even though everyone calls me the blue player, you've, you don't ever do mono blue. I've never done. But mono I blue. think the thing that I realized because we we you know we had this period of time we started like my first deck I think kind of like was kind of the banner deck. And then like you and Brad figured things out and then you were, you were pretty dominant for a little bit there. And what I realized is Andy's drawing a lot of cards. Yeah. That is one thing I do enjoy. And And so it's unfortunate, you know, that the, the, the people you have to associate to draw cards is the Nazi party and it's blue. (laughs) That is the real Nazi color. Yeah, it? honestly, right? It is wholly oppressive and very elitist and snobby. <laughs> and, you know, like, the more I think about it, the less I want to play it. But I think I think blue is, is it is so good because it gets you resources, right? Like, in a game of Commander, it's it's a war of attrition. Yeah. Honestly. Right, yeah, no, it is. You need, you need more resources, and blue gets it for you. It's just one singleton event yeah. to the next. Yeah, 
so yeah, we've seen three. And I feel like they're I feel like they're different. So if I let me kind of summarize the three of them. So we had Talrand, which is like every other motherfucking Talrand deck you've ever played against, right? Sure. First he had it very counter heavy. Yeah. It was very mother may I. Um and it didn't win him anything. Because no. he couldn't he couldn't get the mass of, of Drakes out there um to actually like end the game, right? So uh he changed it. He switched it over to kind of like a can like a, a happy medium. It's not devoid of counter magic, but it's mostly cantrips now. So sure. Talrand, if you know, to remind everybody, Talrand is is the the four mana Merfolk wizard that says whenever you cast an instant or sorcery uh, spell, you put a two two Blake token, um, or Blake Drake token. Uh, it's a blue Drake. With, yeah, it's a blue Drake. It's a Blake, <laughs> a Drake token in with flying into the battlefield. So he's just accumulating a bunch of two twos that he uses either to block, yeah. or to eventually drop a coat of arms and they jump up in power and then he just swings in and takes somebody out. So pretty, pretty basic, honestly. Yeah, right? I mean it is. It's. I think when we had Dustin and Kim playing, I think you put Kim on a Talrand deck yeah. because it was pretty. Pretty easy to understand right. for a new player. And it's budget. You don't have to spend a lot of money. The cantrips, a lot of these spells are not very expensive. Sure. It can get expensive if you're like, I need a f- force of will. Yeah. You know, like, you can you can get there with it. Um, the second one that we ran into was the Traumacratus list. And I'm wondering if, like, I don't know, it would be interesting to do an episode about it, even though it doesn't exist anymore. It's, it's a good deck, and I think it's... Uh... Yeah, like it's kind of under the radar. Like you, I don't, I don't see a lot of conversation about it. Like, so yeah, so Traumacratus came from Theros, specifically born of the gods. He was some backwater legendary. When they spoiled him, I don't remember there being a lot of like buzz about it. It was just kind of like, okay, it's just a big ass guy. And and here's here's to kind of tell you, there's only 111 decks on EDH Rec, and the he's card is 25 cents. Yeah, and he's been out for like what. That's several years. Yeah, four or five years approaching. Yeah. So Tremocratus is eight mana, or sorry, seven mana, four and eight, eight. Um, he's a legendary creature. Which is rare creature. and blue. Right. True. He's, he, yeah. So, yeah. Seven mana for an eight, eight for legendary creature Kraken. Tremocratus has hexproof unless it's attacking or blocking. And then Tremocratus can't be blocked uh, unless all creatures defending player blocks it. Blocks it. So it's actually really good um, for... Killing with commander damage. <laughs> so I'm not going to save Voltron because it's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if like pumping this guy up is really necessary. Yeah. It's... He has a, a innate protection ish. He's right. kind of like in the realm of, um, of Zergo in that there's this, there's a, a specific place that he's, he is vulnerable. He's but... vulnerable. So right. if he's just sitting there, you know, right. he's hexproof. But as soon as he gets engaged in combat, he comes up out of the ocean, right, to attack somebody. I'm thematically making this more exciting. Um, <laughs> then he becomes uh, uh, targetable, right? Which, yeah, I mean, you're playing blue. We, we can we can get around that easy. Exactly. And then, yeah, that last part is everyone has to commit all of their creatures if they're going to block him. So any creature that player controls doesn't block this creature. Uh, it can't be blocked. So weirdly enough, all you need to do is tap one of their creatures and it's with unblockable. the myriad of tap abilities that blue affords you. And now he's unblockable. Right. Right. And now they're on a clock, which we'll talk about the clock when we go to my deck. Sure. So well, the way we described this deck is that it was, we called it tempo to Yeah. Cause he's tempoing 
tempo we've probably said it a couple of times in commander is next to impossible right, right. but you with, don't have the resources available to do it right like, to tempo all players but i think what brad figured out with this deck very well is that he could tempo one player you know he yeah could, he, as long as you could manage one player and keep he'd latch on he played it like an aggro deck he'd he'd pick his guy and he'd just keep going after them with his big kraken right and it fucking sucked it was really annoying this deck well and you ha- usually knew that, that like way. if that was happening like uh, I've got a short time to figure this out and he's playing blue. Right. So I probably need multiple options to figure this out. And then the last one that we have that we've seen is Unesh. Yeah. Which is a card advantage and machine, right? I've never, yeah. I've seen decks dig pretty deep into their library, but that one definitely in the top five. It surprised me. Yeah. It's surprising how far in you can get. Like, right. it's incredibly surprising. Right. So Unesh is, is relatively new. He's from, what, uh, Hour, of from Hour of Devastation. Devastation, yeah. It's a four mana for, or sorry, it's six mana for a legendary creature sphinx. Um, it reduces the cost of your sphinx bills by two. And those sphinxes, when they enter the battlefield, as long as you're controlling this guy, they do like a mini factor fiction, right? You, you reveal the top four cards of your library, an opponent separates them into two piles. You take one pile and put the rest into your yard, right? Yeah. So card selection card advantage card draw but yeah. it's not the word draw and i feel like you've worked around that language very carefully you put stuff into the deck that like disallows drawing cards yeah so that i can get ahead right. in terms of card advantage without mm-hmm. having to draw so yeah kind of a cornucopia it, it is a little bit yeah we've, we've got a few different ways of building blue yeah but outside the meta i think blue kind of occupies the space of a couple archetypes, right? Okay. Um, and this is just kind of my summation of what I'm kind of looking for, like seeing, right? Okay. So there's Talrand, which that we definitely have that going on. Like that's, that's the real world bleeding into our meta. It's an instance of sorceries, whatever. I yeah. just don't, I don't think there's another way to like go around that guy. Right. Um, the one that hasn't shown up mercifully in our, in our meta <laughs> is a zombie lady of scrolls. So she has a reputation of being oppressively difficult to defeat. Right? I think because there's really two that we haven't seen show up in mono blue that could just bust our backs. Probably, yeah, and I, I know who you're thinking of, right? The, the fucking Teferi. Yeah. Yeah. So she's supposed to, she's just, it, it, it's just an inevitability thing with her, I think, right? Like yeah. it's very difficult to take advantage away from the Azami player. Um, they have a very deep counter wall that you'll have if, if you try to, they won't let you past it. But if you yeah. don't, they're keep, they're just going to keep digging and digging and digging. And the, and the, her strategy is that she, she's a six mana, a commander that lets you tap an untapped wizard, you control to draw a card. And she herself is a wizard. And because it doesn't actually have the word, the tap symbol, this can be done at like instant speed. Right. Yeah. So you can do it whenever you want and do it as many times. Like, Yeah. So it's just, it it gets out of control. You load the deck full of wizards, and then eventually once you land on Mind Over Matter, you can draw your entire library. Because Mind Over Matter says, choose and discard a card, tap or untap target artifact, creature, or land. And yeah, you would just choose one of your creatures and just draw 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 into the lab man, mm-hmm. right? And win, which says, yeah, if you would draw a card in your library and you have none remaining, then you win. You're just done, right? Yeah, game over. Yeah, and then yeah, I, oh, to kind of, meet Kyle's point. Um, Teferi Temporal Archmage is a planeswalker they put out in Gen 3 Commander, right? Right. Um, 
he lets you uh, he, he, he's six mana really the relevant thing to keep track of is that he has a down he starts with five loyalty but his down loyalty of one lets you untap four target permanents so he is very 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 good at a strategy that we'll also talk about later in the episode called stacks <laughs> and yeah you're probably right like he he's definitely up there in the infamous blue blue decks but other than that like a lot of it like if you look at the rest of the list um sort of like arkham Doxon, which is a combo cheater machine right um a lot of them kind of either fall into these these ideas drawing a lot of cards using counter magic because whatever um and then yeah like i guess the stacks thing is probably unique to just him i I suppose so uh i'm trying to think if there's others that could do it but if you're doing that you would probably have him in the deck yeah and he's going to be the most effective option for it anyways so right so i don't know i don't want to like make a globalized statement that blue doesn't have a lot of design space to operate in because I'm sure there's a lot you can do, right? Yeah. I just feel like there's kind of a safe way to play it. Play the safest color, a safe way to play the safest color. Oh, yeah. And it's probably just a good idea to fall into that and just to pick a commander that, that you want to use for blue, to mono blue to do that. But then there's some that like, so like, I'll, I don't know, like if I was going to make a comparison, a zombie and Arcanist the Omnipotent. Mm-hmm. Like they're similar mana costs. They have a similar ability. But really, in the long term, she's just a better commander. Like, that same deck, you know? Yeah. Like, those two commanders next to each other, like, yeah, if you're amoral, I guess you'll play the Azami player, the Azami deck, (laughs) right? But then you're setting your... I don't know. You're holding yourself back by picking one color and then picking a weak commander underneath that, or one that... Not weak, but one that's just kind of hard to manage in Arcanus. Right. So... I just, I don't, I don't know. There's not a, there, I guess my takeaway from this is that there's not a way to half do blue. I agree with that. Like there's a commitment you're making. Yeah. Like there's, to me, there's plenty of mono black decks that are like, they're strong, but they're not fucking annoying. You know, <laughs> like Edric's like, or not Edric, uh, and Edric Sar. Yes. That, that's a neat, weird idea. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it's not exactly like the best idea ever, but it's pretty <laughs> damn cool. Right. <laughs> Um, you've got things like that out there. Like, like Chainer is pretty damn cool. Oh yeah. Right. Is it amoral? I don't know. It, it's just a value engine. It's not, it's, sure. you know, like it's not crazy. He's, yeah. He's not, I mean, you can throw a wrench into that one. Right. Like, I mean, you could pick Mirian or Karatter over that, like, sure. And still kind of get the same idea going, but their mono black doesn't really have a, wow, you're a piece of shit for playing this, <laughs> playing this commander. Right. You know, or yeah, I'm really going to be annoyed at the direction of this game. And I feel like that can happen with can, blue. It can happen very easily with blue. And and maybe a part of that is because, yeah, you're digging into a lot of resources with that kind of card draw thing that you're going to be inclined to do with blue. Yeah. But I think it it also presents with you, presents to you fewer ways of winning. Right. Right. And so you have yeah. to do that kind of stuff, that annoying stuff to. like... I'm going to draw forever. I'm going to counter your shit that fucks uh, yeah. with what I'm doing. Otherwise, yeah. And it's going to be a while. Okay, guys? Yeah, it is. <laughs> and I kind of learned that the hard way. So I decided to make a mono blue deck. Who is it, Andy? Which has countered everything I said I was going to do to myself this year. I was just like, okay, I'm going to try to stay <laughs> out of these colors or whatever. And yeah, dude, I'm like everyone with their New Year's resolutions. It's not even fucking February yet, and I'm breaking them. Well, All right. All right. So they spoiled the recent, or we've got a recent release of 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 cards. 
with rivals of Ixalan. Okay. And among all of the legendaries that they spoiled, um, there's a big friendly Loch Ness monster. A big friendly Loch Ness monster? Among them. (laughs) So the one, what I'm going to be focusing on is this guy just for a couple minutes. So Nezahal Primal Tide. So he's seven mana, so five and two blue. Uh, Nezahal Primal Tide can't be countered. You have no maximum hand size. Whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, draw a card, discard three cards, exile Nezahal, and return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step, and he's a 7-7. So I was talking about wanting to have kingdoms, teams' kingdoms a while back with like 10 players. Are you interested in that with your Nezahal deck? No. (laughs) There's no fucking way. So... If anyone is to go out right now and say, I want to build a Nezahal deck, I'm just going to do it, you know? Um, you're probably not going to find a lot of resources online, right? No. So at the beginning of this podcast, we actually had an episode about net decking. And our takeaway was like, you got to use the internet. Yeah. Right? Like, you're just you're just holding yourself back against everyone you play if you don't use like the wealth of knowledge from the hive mind that is and, the magic. The and the sooner community. you you boost you burst that bubble, the better for your, your right. ability to build good decks. Yeah, and there's definitely pillars in the community that they put out content that people are kind of like following along, right? Right. But to me, the stuff that sticks out the most, like the one that's like, okay, this is really helping the format along, are the guys on Tap Out that put out very well thought out strategies for a commander and then people like they kind of just fade away after a while. So they get onto the top, whatever. And then people just start doing what that one person was doing without even knowing it. So it falls into the average deck for EDH rec or whatever. You know what I mean? Like somebody solved that commander. Yeah. So somebody put out their primer, showed you what to do. Yeah. Primers is a really great example. They go card to card, you know, it's kind of like what we do, right? But it's just, it's just on a, on a webpage, right? Exactly. There isn't any of this, right now for Nezahal. So it's been an, an, a unique experience, not unique. I, I mean, it's, I've had to do it before, like picking weird, you know, everybody has this moment where they're like, I'm just going to pick a weird ass commander. That's, you that's, know? that's how I felt building Unesh. Cause we did it, did that episode shortly after, you know, hour of devastation dropped. And I was kind of like, I think this is probably what you should do. And then I, it turns out like, that's what other people kind of started doing. Essentially that. But it's it's an interesting space to be in when there's not a sample for you on the internet to really go off of. Yeah, and it's it's kind of two things. You start doubting your own intuition about stuff, <laughs> and then you're like, I don't know, is this really the way to do this? And uh-huh. then you start feeling like, I don't know, I'm fucking just going to do it. Let's see what happens, right? Yeah. And then you start, like, you get this huge payoff when you test it, and it works, right? And you go, oh, wait a minute. That was all my shit. I didn't, I didn't actually, like, I didn't steal that from anybody. Yeah. Not, not that that's like, yeah, like you said, like you gotta you ha- I do mean, what yeah. other people do, but right. I think you and I fall kind of like right on the fence about net decking. Like we get the argument about, oh yeah, you know, there's just no original anything from anybody. And this is just becoming this very condensed formulaic thing. And EDH rec is definitely like turning commanders into formulas. Right. Like, there's a recipe right there for you. <laughs> Um, but then you and I also kind of agree that like, yeah, we just want to have the games be good. Right. Cause isn't it really, there's another annoying part of playing against somebody who really doesn't know how to make a deck, you know? 
Well, and, yeah, like I don't know and if you they just get their ass rocked, and it's just, it's just no exactly fun for you. So I I've got this friend that plays Dominion like a lot of Dominion. Okay, and we like sat down to play, and she just kind of was like, I don't know, just picked out like a set of cards for that particular game for us to play off of. Mm-hmm. That would be she thought would be interesting and she was like trying to kind of be, guide me a little bit but she understood the combos way better than me right and she rocked my ass right. like not even close like rocked my ass and, and did so, she have fun or, yeah i mean i think that was, was her kind of like yeah, i think her thing fun. was kind of like yeah kyle needs to learn before this is actually going to happen again yeah. because and yeah like and I, I to me i think that translates to magic because it's like yeah, you can kind of have that. There, There is a constraint to that space of your own design. Like, you can do your tweaks and stuff, but, like, if you want to compete, people have figured out where that is, right? Right. Like, so, yeah. Magic's is a complex game. You know, I'm yeah. sure Dominion is, too, but there's a, it's 25 years old this year. It, there's a lot of freaking content. So... Kind of getting into this deck, like, yeah, it's just, it's a new frontier for me in a couple ways, but then an old frontier. So I I decided, like, I'm going to stick to what I know that I can handle and what I I feel like I I have an understanding of the best. Yeah. And I'm going to marry those ideas into this deck, and we'll just see how it goes. So I tested it last night online on a completely legal, 100%, uh, you know, (laughs) legit platform on the computer. (laughs) 100% legit. And I was pretty happy with the results, although I, I kind of have a tempered expectation of now of like what it'll do in the real life against the real cards that, you know, the real decks that I go up against. Sure. So the idea is, yeah, we want to land three hits from this guy to take him out, right? Yeah. So I've kind of gone, I've kind of said in a couple episodes, like my philosophy about Voltron commanders, right? That I feel like they need innate protection and ideally um, Evasion. Evasion. So Nezahal, I'm not going to call him a Voltron commander because he doesn't meet these criteria. There's right. enchanting him is risky. Trying to get him bigger isn't. Enchanting isn't real, him is probably a non-option, right? Because you're going to be bringing him back to your yeah. hand. Like, so yeah, right not now. only is it risky, but it's a non-option because I have to send him into exile, right. to protect him. Right. His mana cost is really high. It's actually seven, and we've said on other episodes that like. Once you start approaching like the five mana range, it the it better their the commander's presence better totally like warp your game plan when they come out. Oh yeah, because it's hard. And if it dies, he's jumping up to nine. Like it it just yeah. And I have no green, <laughs> right? Right. So he's not a Voltron. I'm just gonna say it. He's just not. So there's one other thing that I was talking about earlier. If you remember, was the clock, right? Okay. So I think a a, a pitfall a needless pitfall that people can fall into when they're trying to win using commander damage is the, they're unaware, like they're not aware of the clock, right? Sure. So it takes 21 points of commander damage to kill an opponent to, to get them out of the game. Right. Right. And that, I think that's born of the original elder dragons. The thing that this entire format was named after EDH, they were all seven power. So three hits from those guys and you were done, right? So going above seven, there's no reason to do it unless you, until you get to 14. Well, really 21, right? Yeah. I, the clock. The, I mean, 11 is what I meant to yeah, say. Yeah, sorry, 11s. Yeah, so once you get to 11, yeah, you're on two hits, right? Yeah. Um, but that gap between seven and 11 is useless. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah, so anywhere in between. Like, having eight it doesn't really do you anything. It's still a three hits. Having right. nine, it's still three hits. Ten, it's still three hits. Like, that space, right? You're like, oh, I have a ten, ten. Yeah, like, that's, like, it's still three hits. Right. Right, because you're doing 20 damage. Like, yeah, like, you need that one extra point, which is a whole other combat step, which is a whole other turn around the table, right? Like, it's just... Yeah. So once you get to 11, you're on a two hit clock. And then, and then, yeah, it's from 11 to 21 is your next, your right. next step, which that one is insanely. Yeah. Like try pulling that off. So Nezahal is on the clock. Thank God. If this guy was a six, six, I don't think this could work out like I'd like. Right. right? Because you need multiple extra turns. Right. So the objective with this deck, just because, you know, I'm trying to state the win con is to land three hits on a singular opponent and continue to keep him in play as long as I motherfucking can to try to get to those three hits. Right. So there's a few things holding us back. He has no evasion. Right. Um, and yeah, he, he has a strange way of protecting himself and it sucks so bad. Which, which is kind of costly because he can't even block for you. Right. Throw him out. Right. He's just gone. Right. He ends up on the beach when he comes back. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Where'd he go? Oh, there he is. He's on the beach, you know, so yeah, you're kind of working uphill for a couple, a couple, uh, for a couple of things that you would want for a, for a Voltron, or at least a commander damaging commander, right? Yeah. So I think a lot of people like they'll be like, well, you know, let's get Imperial Plate in there because he lets you draw cards, right? Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's a good. I think that's okay because I think people are thinking like he's just going to be massive. Well, I really only need I only need uh eight, nine, ten, eleven. Right. Yes. So as long as I have four cards in hand, he's on the two hit. Yeah. So it is a good equipment for him because it gets you on a two hit clock, which, oh my God, that is just a thousand times better than three. <laughs> it just is. They see it. Yes. You know, like your opponent sees it. Like I've oh, got yeah. one more hit. Oh, I've got yeah. one more turn and they're scrambling to get rid of your, your threat. So I borrowed a lot from Brad's original idea of latching onto one player and just hammering them down. Right. Okay. And I think the way he did it was he'd bounce every permanent out of his way or tap one permanent so he could take advantage he of that. He seemed to do a lot of that, that with the tapping evasion. stuff. Right. So, yeah, Tromocratus has more going for him in that he has that pseudo protection in that he's hexproof when he's not attacking or blocking. And then that last part where if they can't commit all of their creatures to a block, they just can't block. And he's eight, he's eight damage. Yes. Right? So he's on the clock as well. Um, so I had to kind of change things up a little bit though with his, I didn't add any of that tap stuff because it doesn't really help. Yeah. It doesn't matter here. Right. So just hit it, hitting the cards. There's a standard flexible mono blue control package loaded into this deck. Right. Okay. Um, you can pick and choose your favorites, but I'll kind of offer some suggestions about counter magic. I would not go overboard with counter magic in this deck because it's just going to piss everybody off. Right. Sure, because you're already playing a long game. Like right. you just need enough to kind of like get yourself through. Right. Also, you should be digging, right? Yeah, you should be digging. There is counter magic in the deck because we're playing mono blue. We have to kind of lean on it heavier than than any other kind of color pairing, right? Yes. So the ones I chose to put in here, the counter spells I chose to put in here, either are just simply there to keep him in the play, right? Okay. Because, yeah, ditching three cards to send him into exile, it's it's kind of asking a lot. He is worth three cards, but past that, he's not worth it. I yes. would never ditch six cards to activate that ability twice. Yeah, that's, if that's I'm a getting steep some kind cost. Of activation like, that's six different things. options that you had that are all gone now. Yeah, so counterspell, 
it's, it's mono blue. Let's do counterspell. Uh, like arcane denial is a really good one too. You could probably swap that for some other one if you want. I put it in there because it's kind of like a, well, hey man, you get two cards. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you're, you're de- I, I definitely try to leverage things as best I can with this, with my, with my gameplay. Yeah. But it's low to the ground and I can leave a mana rock open, you know, yeah. to, to do it. And I can use blue to resolve something else. Right. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of options. I did have cryptic command in here because cryptic command, I own one and I just haven't put it in any deck ever because it's three blue committed. Yeah. But the big thing is that it allows you to tap all creatures your opponents control, which is one is of its coming modes. through. So yeah, if they dare to try to, if they dare try to ha- harm you, right. Mm-hmm. Not only can you counter what they've tried to do, but in the same motion, tap all their creatures, and now right. they know they're going to get bit, right? So I feel like it fit really well. That's 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 a nice fit. Other like than it. that, yeah, it's just like negate swan song, you know. Okay, but I have a total of nine, which is a lot for me. That is usually, that's a decent number. Yeah, I usually stick around three. Okay, in any blue deck, I just kind of auto load three, just because hey, whatever, you never know, right? Yeah. Um, one that I wa- do want to mention, that I think is really good. I've mentioned this one before with Shu Yun, but he it fits this again. It is stubborn denial. So it's one blue counter target non creature spell unless its controller plays one. However, if you have ferocious, if you if you control a creature with power four or greater, just counter that spell instead. So it's one mana for a counter, like yeah, because you're gonna have your commander right, and so, that's the only thing you want to. If, if it's out, that's the only time you really want to counter anyways. Right. So with your monster out, it's just boop, you know, awesome. countered, right? So I didn't go super into the countering mother may I thing, right? Like, I just didn't. Instead, what I decided to do was use artifacts. Okay. The, the other, the other, <clears throat> you know. So which, is, which is a blue thing, because yeah. there's Esper artifacts, right? So. The other side to my polyamory, right? So I'm into <laughs> instances for sure, but then, yeah, there's these these neat machines over here. <laughs> stacks. What? Yeah. So stacks is the idea that you put out a lot of uh, resource denial options for yourself, or okay. at least for your opponents. So we mentioned Teferi. Yeah. Right? And the idea around a fairy is that you're putting out cards like, you know, I'll just give you the, the, the prototype for starting the stacks. Well, okay, hang on. The stacks is actually named, at, its namesake is, is from a card called Smoke Stacks. Right. Right? Uh, or Smoke Stack. It's a four mana artifact that says at the beginning of your upkeep, you may put a soot counter on Smoke Stack. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player sacrifices a permanent for each soot counter on Smoke Stack. So you're kind of using this very demanding ability in your favor yeah you're a part of it but you're always one behind everyone else because it's at the beginning of your upkeep you may put a counter right right so it it happens it gets the it goes up during your upkeep and then the players after you are the ones that have to participate in that number of counters right so you're yeah and normally you'd have like a commander that can work their way around this right so like brago can reset this like if it gets too out of control, he can blink it and put it back down to one soot or get rid of it altogether. Right. You know what I mean? Like he can he he has ways to operate around it. Um Sheree. Yeah. Right. She can put out smoke stack. And because her creatures come back anyway at the end of the turn, those Doesn't are the matter of the feeding. Yeah. Right. So everyone's losing advantage except for her, things like that. So yeah, the strategy is named after this card. I'm not you're not actually using this card right. in this deck, but because the, the, the permanence principle. I have, yeah, I'm using the the other half of it, right? So smokestacks wouldn't really be that hard to deal with, 
if these other cards weren't in play. So, like, I'll give you the one that kind of always goes along with it. It's the Winter Orb. It's two mana for an artifact that says, as long as Winter Orb is untapped, players can't untap more than one land during their untap step. So you wait till everyone's tapped out, right? Right. And you play your locks, right? So now you're locking them down. They play right into a trap they didn't know was there, right? Yeah. And now they're working from behind. You had one turn for yourself because you have untapped and then near the end of the turn you would resolve your winter orb but now everyone else is like oh fuck they're not getting back into the game until they scramble to destroy your artifact right so with smokestacks in play it gets it just it it just withers the game it yeah just, it just whittles the game down i didn't yeah to say again i didn't put the actual smokestacks in this deck because i don't feel like nezahal can handle it yeah he doesn't he doesn't contribute anything so like derevi would be another thing to talk about like the revy can untap things for you so you yeah. can get around something like winter orb yeah but like or and or, also like with nezahal i think we, maybe what you're getting at is like there's not as much available for you to offer it yeah there just isn't <clears throat> there is stuff that you can do to kind of get around it like the mirror turbine you know you can make a mirror and sack yeah. it and things like that but i just i didn't put it in there because i don't feel like I don't feel like it, it's just too many hoops to jump through to make it work. Right. But where I found the value for this guy anyway in that strategy is that they're staying open. So if somebody taps out to attack one of my opponents or myself, I'm able to keep them locked down with some of these effects. So the winter orb is one of them, right? The, uh, the static orb is another one, right? Static yes. orb says you can only untap two permanents. The tangle wire says... They have to tap four permanents when they walk into their opening turn, right? Yeah. So there, there's a there's a there's a really good uh, primer on stacks that somebody wrote. It's on, I think it's like on Game FAQs or something. I'll put the link in the deck when we put it on our on our page. Okay, but it has like a list of all the possible stack combinations and how you want to make it work. And yeah, if you feel like you want to make it work harder core for this. Yeah, knock yourself out. But I just want to kind of explain myself of why I'm choosing this asshole strategy. It's because I feel like the commander, I'm already I'm already having to do a lot. And I want have I want to have to make everybody else do as much as I you know, I want to make the the list of achievements as long as I as mine, right? Oh, right. Brago is just going to run smoother than this guy. He just is. Sure. Right? And I'm going to just try to bog everyone down and then get my three hits in and then move on to the next guy and just button the game up. And that's usually the case with anything blue, right? right. People so, are people are going to, like, if it's mono blue, I should say, like, because other other colors are going to arrive to what they want to do sooner, right? That's why you're doing this stuff. Yeah, blue is very concerned with bringing everyone down to its speed, making yeah. everyone play its 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 game, making everyone play its way. And I feel like the stacks. I gotta stop saying stacks. I'll just say the word stasis, even though I'm not using the word stasis. <laughs> Damn it. Because stasis, I just couldn't do. The it, orbs. You, you skip your permanent. I mean, you skip your untapped step. Yeah, the orbs strategy. So yeah, I've got things like torpor orb. Creatures enter the battle. Creatures entering the battlefield don't cause abilities to trigger. I, I'm in love with this card. It it and he uses it throws it a, a wrench in so much of what people are trying to do. Every reanimator deck just gets shot in the face. Mm -hmm. Brago gets shot in the face. Like mm -hmm. there's so many things that Torpor Orb handles, and I have no I have no interest in Enter the Battlefield. It's kind of odd to me how frequently you don't care about ETB effects. I know, like and they're all. really strong. They're very strong. It's a creature with a spell strapped to it. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, like, that's the way command. Like if you go back to like old Magic, creatures were just creatures. 
Oh yeah. And they had like word soupy abilities that had something to do with their combat or their, un- their ability to stay untapped, but they didn't do anything when they came into the battlefield yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. And once that's just the way it's gone now, you know, the game is like that. And yeah, so it's a crazy strong ability. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the idea with the artifacts that I've chosen. I put, okay. un- I put stuff, I-, I-, I wanted to try to work around it the best I could. Cause yeah, it's, it's, it's symmetric. These untap, um, these untapped blocking effects happen for me too, right? Mm-hmm. So I have the unwinding clock, right? It's four mana. It says untap all artifacts you control during each player's untapped step. So dang, I'm heavily reliant on mana rocks in this in this commander. Yeah. One yeah. because he's seven mana, and yeah, the sooner you need to I get, get him there. out, the sooner I get advantage of that one ability uh, that says anytime anyone casts a non-creature spell or an opponent casts a non-creature spell, I draw a card, and that adds the fuck up. So I played this deck last night. And in three different games, and it happens faster than you think. That's You're awesome. thinking like, oh, it'd be really cool if he's less mana because of all the mana rocks and stuff like that. Nah, people are casting non-creature spells pretty uniformly throughout the game, I noticed. I was able to get maybe six or seven cards, just a, a whole new hand from just one one pass around the table. And yeah, because you know? people need to support their game, right? Like- yeah, and it's not a may it's not a Ristic Mystic Remora uh Ristic study thing like they just it's you're just getting the card there's no conversation about yeah it, you know and then those effects are still in there so i do have Ristic study in this deck and i do have mystic or more in this in this deck that, Wait, do you want me to draw one or two pretty much <laughs> yeah so Ristic study is a well-known and a fucking annoying card but it's two and a blue whenever an opponent casts a spell uh you may draw a card unless they pay one right so if they cast a non-creature spell you draw a card and then you ask are you going to pay the one <laughs> and they say no you draw another card right mystic remora is just the it's it it's the baby version of this commander right yeah it's blue and it says cumulative upkeep one so this is the the more fair ristic study because you have to commit resources to keep it in play so the first turn you pay one the second turn you pay two right right plus this is half the cost of the mystic Rem- or of ristic study it's only a, a little a closer to two bucks and it's only one mana, but it right. says whenever an opponent casts successfully casts a non-creature spell, uh, you may draw a card. Uh, and that's one that's just kind of like surges your hand up, right? right. Like you're probably going to get like five or six cards out of it before you let it go. Maybe more, but usually somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, so they have to pay four to get around it, and no one's ever doing that. I've never seen anyone pay a Mystic Remover yeah. pass to get something done. He, like. What are you gonna do? Cast your soul ring and it's gonna cost five mana. Like yeah, no one's doing that. Exactly. But you know, this one's this one's fairer in that it has to you have to kind of like keep paying to keep it on. In yeah, play. you have to sink resources into maintaining this state of being. Right. Yeah. So the deck has a lot of mana rocks because yeah, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to get him out quicker. And then yeah, because I'm gonna be locking up lands and creatures with my with my untap blocking abilities, it just kind of works in my favor. Right. So yeah, the unwinding clock. Voltaic key. So Voltaic key is a is a one mana artifact that you may pay one to tap, uh, and then you untap target artifact. Ooh. So another piece of the pie here, or a piece of the puzzle that I think works really well uh, after what I saw last night is the um, the Isochron Scepter. This is a good card. Yeah, I've kind of forgotten about it. Like I think you brought it up last week or a couple weeks ago. Right. And- You'd think for somebody who is so super into instants and sorceries, I'd be really into this card. And I feel like why I haven't really played it a lot is that, well, for one, the commanders that I've played that are been instant and sorcery heavy, they don't meet its criteria. So it's two for an, 
artifact that says imprint. When Isochron Scepter enters the battlefield, you may exile an instant card with converted mana cost of two or less from your hand. So that part with Mizzix, a lot of my stuff is over two. Oh yeah, because you're trying it. to take advantage of Not the cheapening of cost right. with Mizzix. Yeah, so, it so I'm yeah, I'm kind of playing on the higher end with her, with her for sure. Yeah, but it says two and tap. You may copy the exiled card. If you do, you may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. So I think the thing everyone's terrified of somebody doing is strapping like a counterspell to this. So you have a counterspell, yeah. literally on a stick, <laughs> right? But with unwinding, Go sit clock, in your throne with your damn sea beast so with unwinding clock and voltaic key or the any combination of the two this gets really fucking annoying yeah right? yeah so now you can counter with impunity if you have a way to produce blue or i mean sorry two so let's say you have a soul ring out which probably or a mana rock that at least meets two the isochron scepter counter spell on the isochron scepter and your unwinding clock you can free counter one spell somebody's turn yeah now that sounds amazing, but you gotta be careful you with gotta that be though, because people are gonna try to bait right. you in those circumstances. Right. So the thing about counter magic is nobody knows when it's gonna happen. That's that's what frustrates people the most. They play into it and they're like, "Motherfucker!" Right? They had this plan. <laughs> they pulled this card out of their hand. They displayed it to everybody. They they blood rushed into their penis. Right? And then <laughs> you just come along and deflate it with with this with this counter spell Beow. with Isochron Scepter. It's like really bad news that that you just hear all the time it's always there and now they like, know so it's it's the same level of aggravation but just for different different reason right so the thing that they are, will try to do is play around it so i found that somebody will play something and if they're really obvious and really bad at bluffing they're like are you going to counter it and if they ask you that you're like why you know so it <laughs> It's definitely a it's definitely a card that comes with a lot of responsibility. That's that's me. I'm always calling Andy out. I'm pretty sure that happened a couple times last week where I'm like, "You countering it, Andy?" <laughs> you do that, yeah. I'm just like checking. I'm like, I have to play forward. I feel like this is the only way forward, and it's just kind of like, let me. But check you know with when Andy. I counter stuff, it's a, I only counter stuff when it involves me losing, right? Or well, yeah, <laughs> you know, on the spot. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a cool combination of cards, but <clears> it's. It's definitely like, I don't know. It comes with, I, it comes I, with some responsibility on yeah, your part to does, not but turn I think into that's... a mother may I situation. Because yeah, you really just can't. I don't care who you are. I don't care how great the deck is. It just can't handle everybody's. If they're all going to point at you just to get you out of the way, they're going to. They do will. That. They will. Yeah, they'll succeed. So you have to just be like, I'll let you do anything you want as long as you don't try to hurt my fish or, <laughs> or break any of my my machines, right? Um. There's another combo that goes with the Isochron Scepter that I loaded in. So there is a way to go infinite with it. Okay. Um, if you have a spell called Dramatic Reversal, which is two and a blue, and it says untap all non-land permanents you control, right? Okay. So a, this goes into the Scepter. Yeah, that goes into the Scepter. And then if you have a Soul Ring with that, you can untap and tap all of the non-land permanents you control infinitely. So you use a Soul Ring... To activate the Isochron Scepter, uh-huh. Isochron Scepter, Caster Manic Reversal, untapping the Isochron Scepter and the Soul Ring with it. So if you have one extra mana, you have infinite mana. Right? Or, I mean, anything else that you can kind of sink mana into yeah, like anything after you, that. Right, yeah. so take your pick on what you're going to do with that. You know, like if you're going to do, I don't know, a giant X spell. Right, you could have somebody draw their whole library with a blue sun zenith, or you could draw your own library and dump out a lab man. Like I, I don't know. Like however you want to use that, 
I put it in there because, yeah, I just feel like it's just a good way to fucking end the game. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know, I think that's if a, I'm not really able to get to because you're two playing hit, blue, right? Right. Like Paradox you, Engine pairs well with pairs, pairs the same. It's actually any spell inside the Isochron Scepter, right? Yeah, and then. You know, well, not any spell, because like a counter spell really wouldn't work. You'd need something like, I don't know, a Pongify and sure. targets. But that that with the Paradox Engine, because of the spell getting cast, it'll untap all your permanents too. Right? It doesn't necessarily need to be dramatic reversal. I'm trying to think of like what you would probably do in there. But mm. these three cards, yeah, the Paradox yeah, they're, Engine. They're, works they're gonna really. feed you for sure. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of like the win con and then like maybe an alternate win con right there is that you know, I'm just, it's very simple. I'm just trying to get three hits in, trying to <laughs> keep the pathway open to do that. Some sexy tech I kind of want to just throw out there is, and then when, then we'll talk about yours is uh, dragon wings. <laughs> okay. So it's one in a blue. It says enchanted creature has flying. You've been using this in, uh, in Shu Yun, right? No, you I haven't. Because he doesn't, he doesn't meet this ability. It says when a creature with converted mana cost of six or more comes oh. into play, you may return dragon wings from your graveyard to play enchanting that creature. Okay. So it doesn't matter if this thing drops off when you yeah. send. So if you have to Nezahal dive him into the, the exile. Yeah. So when you, I kept saying, I'm going to dive him down. He's going down <laughs> periscope, you know, and everyone's like, dude, they were, people were scrambling to kill him after a while. Were they, when they got on their second hit, they, yeah, they completely right? lose focus of whatever's going on on the rest of the game. And they know like this, this fish is going to come bite him again and it's going to be over. <laughs> You know, it's a really, it's a really fun deck to play because you're just, <laughs> you know you're what like, I mean? You're like, you feel like this very plodding, slow hunter when you're playing this thing. Yeah. You feel like this just slow moving, like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I really got, I really got into the cosplay of this thing for sure. <laughs> you're that right? guy that's like covered himself in mud and got the geely suit right. on. And yeah, you're just yeah, like, yeah. I'm you, waiting. You feel like that. So yeah, this this spell, like I didn't even get to cast it, but it would it's hugely helpful because a lot of the time you're like tempoing things out of the way to get in. Sure. And a lot of them just because you just don't have any evasion. But this grants him flying and then if you have to ditch him or have to dive him down or periscope, <laughs> whatever, when he comes back, this just re- reattaches to him. Huh. So it's really good. And then there's one that's kind of halfway there, which is just called launch. So it's one in a blue enchanted creature has flying, but then it says when launch is put in the graveyard from play, return launch to its owner's hand. So, so it's like rancor. It. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a flying, you know, double the cost and not out of, out of this world rancor, but Hey, we're already on the clock. We can just, in that case, like in this in case, there. this is all you need, right? Like, yeah. The other evasion. I piece, love the art on this launch. Though. It's like, like a bunch of people. These guys off just like cliff. jumping off a cliff. Like this is a bad idea, Jim. This is a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> so they're I'm trying to think of any other evasion pieces I have. There's Prowler's Helm, which is just like a budget. Hey, let's just get in there. So it's two for an equipment that says equipped creature can't be blocked except by walls. <laughs> And then it's two to equip. Not too many of there, those. There's, there's another one that's similar. It's called the bl- Trailblazing Boots. I didn't put it in here, but it basically Ooh. gives them non-basic island walk. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so I'm not really interested in buffing his power too much. Yeah, because like you said, the clock, it's it's either I stay at 7 yeah, or seven, I get to 11, 11. Or 21. Yeah, like those are the only numbers that matter to you. Right. That's it. So getting him like huge, I don't really need him like. You probably could just get away with good putting like a bone splitter on him, right? Yeah. Like, doesn't bone splitter give him plus? Bone splitter yeah. does plus two plus zero. 
Yeah, so that wouldn't work. That's not going to work. You need like, you just need three points, right? Seven. You need four. You need four, yeah. You need four points to get him bigger. There's just not a lot of equipment that does that, honestly. No. The Imperial Plate, yeah, you'll probably have four cards in hand. But when you don't, it's just just in the way. Exactly. You know, and yeah, you're ditching three sometimes to to keep him out. Like, I don't know. I'd put it out there, like, just think about that, like, Think about really what you're trying to achieve by making him larger. Exactly. Can I get on a two hit? Will this get me to 11 points? You know, I don't know. You could do the looks on a Warhammer. That only gives you three. That's though. three. And it gives him trample uh, and lifelink. Uh, it's just, it's just so really things slow. Things that we're not really interested in. And with all the in. stuff I've put in this deck. And that's six like mana to pull that off. Right. I can't commit to stuff like that. Right. right? The only equipment that was really heavy handed that I was like, okay, I'll, I'll make the space for it um, would be the Sword of Feast and Famine. So a notorious piece of piece of shit, right? Three for an artifact equipment. Equip creature gets plus two, uh, plus two, and has protection from black and green. So the plus two, plus two isn't doing our clock thing, right? No. But it is giving us pro black and green, so we have a form of end of evasion against, well, yeah, Picket. Those are very popular colors, right? Definitely top three popular colors. Yeah. Um, blue being one of the three. But then the big thing is, is that whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, that player discards a card, and you untap all lands you control. So this is amazing for the stack setup, or stasis setup. That's not stasis, that's not stacks. It's just a lock setup. Andy's orb setup. But what it's really, really good for is that it leaves all of your instants and sorceries available to you. So oh, yeah. whatever they think, you, they think you're tapped out, you know, you can have an exhaustive turn. Because a lot of thing about the thing about playing blue is that you should never be tapping out. No. But that means you have to reserve and play even slower than the rest of everyone else because you're reserving mana just in case yeah let's say you have six lands yeah right available and you want to resolve i don't know like some enchantments or something like you want to get a lot done in this turn but but you've got something in the isochron scepter yeah that you want to use that you have to use to protect him yeah so need, this this kind of out. yeah this kind of buys you buys you an opening Right, like you yeah. can you can be reckless. That's where you can be explosive. Yeah, you can be reckless on your turn, and then as long as he connects, you untap your lands, and you're still staying in the control footing. You're right. still staying in your control stance, your defensive stance. Right. So I put that one in there because yeah, I it's that makes a, sense. It's just a damn good artifact. Um, yeah. I don't own the fire and ice one. I think if you're that guy that's really into swords, that's probably the only other one that I would probably make a non-budget acquisition for it. Right. So the sword of fire and ice gets you card advantage. I think is I think is the real big thing. Um, it's the one that makes some protection from blue and red. So it could it could backfire with those enchantments, but whatever. I I'd still do it. So it's three equipped creature gets plus two plus two and has protection from red and from blue. It, whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, sword of fire and ice deals two damage to target creature or player, and you draw a card. So you can ping things away, deal a little bit extra damage with the sword. And get that card. Draw. But then yeah, you draw a card. It's got it's got like a curiosity strap to it. Yeah. I don't know about the other ones. There, there's a, f- I don't know. There's a sort of war and peace. I see people kind of go overboard where, like, if they're including the swords, they're like, "Well, if I'm going to do one, I'm going to put them all in yeah, here." Really expensive. I mean, I don't know. If you feel like that's the way you want to go, sure. But it says yeah. a quick creature gets plus two, plus two, and has protection from red and white. So I guess you can't be path of exiled or, or uh, path to exile. I keep saying path of exile. Path to exile. <laughs> And uh, Swords of Plowshares, or Unmaked, or whatever yeah. your f- fear of white is. But it says, whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, Sword of War and Peace deals damage to that player equal to the number of cards in his or her hand, and you gain li- one life for each card in, in your hand. So 
cute. Yeah. Cute, but it's still not three hits from the commander. Nope. You know? <laughs> and yeah, you gain some life, I guess. So I don't know. If you're if you're meta kind of a like if you feel like you can get these cards for I just don't have confidence I could really get that far distance out of those other than the feast and famine because the untap. Yeah, because the untap is gonna just pull it off for you. Right. Um one last one. And it's okay. just just I don't know. Probably doesn't need to be in the deck, but I, I really liked it. So when we were playing last night, I put this out and I'll just kind of walk you through what happened because okay. just to sell this deck one last time. So it's called Coercive Portal. It's from the original Conspiracy. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it says Will of the Council. It's four mana for an artifact. So it says Will of the Council. At the beginning of your upkeep, starting with you, each player votes for Carnage or Homage. If Carnage gets the more votes, sacrifice Coercive Portal and destroy all non-land permanents. If Homage gets more votes... uh or the vote is tied, draw a card. So, so do people want to allow themselves to get board wiped or do they want to let you draw a card? Right. So this card, what I noticed, it's amazing when you're playing from behind. Everyone just votes homage, right? They don't want their shit destroyed. <laughs> right. Because it blows up everything. <laughs> so they'll just be like homage and you get a card. Right? Cool. But once you start pulling ahead, you you know the way the vote's going to go. Oh, yeah. Right. So I had this game last night. Also, let me just, as a side note, playing uh-huh. against blue... That's a bad idea. Even if they are playing behind. Right. Don't give them more cards. Right. And I, I think if even if you decided not to go the Staxi, you know, landlocking route, this card actually probably better in that in that direction. Like if you had like a really I'm playing out of hand, I'm very focused on instants and sorceries, which I feel like is probably another way you could do that. You could strip out all that stuff and just make sure you're tempoing things away from the target you're going after. Yeah. Right. I just I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know if you'll get the mileage out of these cards. Like. Like if I'm trying to think of like a good one. Um, not even a good one, like just to kind of give you an idea, like the cards sleep, like okay. you tap all their creatures and they don't untap. Yeah. So you have two turns to like just hit them with your fish. Like, but then it happens once it's a sorcery. Sure. You know, plus so, that may not be they may cast other creatures to get in the way anyway. Yeah. So. See, yeah, you're right. So I just. I don't know if you get the mileage out of those kind of effects against the stacks stasis stuff that I've picked, the landlocking stuff that I picked, like the yeah. winter orb and the static orb. Yeah. But hey, um, anyway, back to the portal. So the portal, like, yeah, most of the time, because you're playing from behind with this thing, because he's seven mana, right? Yeah, everybody's going to have developed further. Yeah, they've got all their mana dorks. They've got all their mana rocks. Like, it, they just, they look at the sheer number of things they stay stand to lose if they don't give you the card. They vote your way, right? Oh, yeah. But eventually you pull ahead with an Isochron Scepter thing set up and all of that. And they're they're probably going to vote Carnage, right? So I was playing last night, and I had enough mana because it goes untap, upkeep, right? Right. Um, I had untapped all my mana and had a capsize in my hand, and I was waiting for them to vote, vote Carnage. And they did, and I just jumped it back to my hand, right? <laughs> um, I don't know if that's going to work if it just goes onto the stack once it happens because it says sacrifice it. Sure. You know, because it says, okay, then sacrifice it. You're like, but and I've I, got it in my hand now. Right, but I have it in my hand now. So if that's not the way to play it, and if I was wrong, then just, you know they're going to fucking vote Carnage, just bounce it before they even get to the vote. Sure. Like, as soon as you untap, just push it back into your hand. <laughs> but the other thing is that even if you can't do any of this, just get your, get Nezahal out of play then. Like, dive him down. Like, yeah, you'll lose a turn with him out. But he's not actually dead, you know. Right. Like, have your turn. The board is clear. It's it's lit off. Yeah, it's you've got this seven mana thing out there without having to have paid the mana for it. And 
Yeah. Right. So he comes back at the end step. So yeah, do your turn, develop your board state in the direction you need to take it. And now he's back out. So now you still have your seven mana damaging commander and the board is clear, you know? And yeah, your stuff went with it, but how many cards did you get in hand over the course of the coercion, coercive portal? So I don't know. I'm going to test it in the real world. Yeah. It it, it seemed pretty good. That's pretty cool. My opponents had fun playing with it. They're just like, this is fucking, I don't know. You can tell they were just kind of like, this is fucking funny, (laughs) you know? But it's interesting that, it. that, that I mean, let's it, say somebody pulls really far ahead and it's like, okay, guys, like I got a board wipe. We just got to vote this way. Yeah. You know, and of course that person won't vote for it, but you can, you know, the will of the will of the council is going to come gonna down go your way. way. So yeah, it was pretty neat. That is cool. That's a fun card. Right. I think anytime you can squeeze in something from the conspiracies, I think they're, they're really fun in commander. Oh yeah. Conspiracy is like the it, commander expansion. It, for it sure. like, it fits pretty well. In yeah. Commander. It's, it's the commander expansion like i remember the first conspiracy coming out like we took a lot of stuff yeah, out of that it's it is my favorite thing they do yeah one, like of, I, one of the favorites yeah honestly. it's like it's like innistrad uh the four color mana really like if i'm just talking like the products they've actually put out like innistrad's up there you know just uh-huh. because that's our our set the one where yeah we that's got, where we got into it's it. nostalgia and yeah like everyone fucking loves that set and then uh, not last year's, not the tribal commander set, but the one that had but four, the color. four color. Commander that was just set. awesome. The partners, like there was just so much flexibility in that. There was just so much creative space that you oh, were still yeah. yet to. F- I think explore. partners were challenging, and it was a fun challenge. And then yeah, right under that are the two command, the two conspiracies, conspiracies. for sure. They're way good, and I think if you're looking to like step outside, if you're just a commander player like us, like it's a fun thing to step into. Right, doing conspiracy drafts. So, uh, I, I like Nezahal and I'm scared of it because I, th- I think of my experience with Tremocratus. Um, when you've got a large commander like that behind blue, it's, uh, it's scary because you're not sure if you're going to be a- like, it's already hard enough to dig up answers when you're on the clock and you're not sure if you're going to be able to pull those answers off when you're playing against a blue player. Mm-hmm. Like that was always a concern when Brad latched onto you with, with Tremocratus, yeah. it was like, okay, I might have an answer, but I probably need two or three answers because he's going to have an answer for my answer. Like right. we're, we're, it's going to be hard. So I, I don't know. I'm excited to see Nezahal. You building this deck? Like for real, for real, for real. <laughs> yeah. I, I had too much fun playing it. I probably just have to do it, you know, even though it's, contrary to what i said i was going to do this year it's not like you can't be a blue player and accomplish your other goals yeah <laughs> right yeah. my wallet says otherwise <laughs> but yeah all right man hit us with so i've got another blue commander and I, this is something that i think we talked about this doing the the set review for rivals of ixalan i'm i i tend to like it when their you know their standard sets have more multicolor legendary creatures in them. Oh yeah. Um I think it's it's they just it's more dynamic for the the commander players. Um for cons. Yeah, like cons was cons was good for us. Awesome. Yeah. Cons was way awesome. And so the last the last couple like planes that we've been to, they've done these monocolor legendary series, cycles. Like cycles, right? Yeah. And so going back to to like Amonkhet, Mm-hmm. We had all of the the gods, the non-plague gods, right? Okay. 
They're all monocolor. The weak and I, gods. They're they're really the puny gods. They kind of are weak, and it's sort of a tragedy because one of the things. I mean, they're really cool design. Looking. I like the god command, like the gods, Mechanic. because I think there's almost always something on them that makes them have a higher level of permanence. Yeah, their survivability is really high. Right. So, like the plague gods, like they go to the graveyard, they're coming to your hand. Like, unless somebody exiles those things, you're going to avoid paying taxes. Right. The Therosian gods, like... Yeah, they're just indestructible. They're not also, a creature a lot of the time. Exactly. They yeah. occupy the space of being an enchant or a creature, and so they may not, like... Be targetable. Exactly, yeah. with with what people are planning on. And I think, you know, the Amonkhet ones, uh, they're just indestructible. Like, there's there's something appealing to me about that, but it's also just super challenging because they weren't great for commander like they're, they're not they don't none of them really stood out as like yeah well, that's gonna be an awesome commander yeah they're the thing is, is they are a creature so they can't dodge white exile creature target right but then and there they is some of that in black, black too and they can't help attack right unless they have their conditions being met and some of the conditions they need are pretty stiff yeah and uh so one we're going to talk about because we're talking mono blue here is is kefnet his condition is actually, it's, it's pretty stiff. Okay, what is it? So Kefna is two and a blue, flying- so Three mana. Three mana. And this is, this is why I'm like- Oh my God. Like I was telling you the other day, Andy, I'm like, I've been obsessing over Kefna. I started building a deck list for this a couple months ago. And, it's itching your brain, huh? And I kind of sort of abandoned it because I'm just like, I don't know if he can do it. Like, yeah. I just don't know if he can go the distance, but it is itching my brain because th- there's this tremendous appeal of being able to have your commander out on turn three. Yeah. Everybody else is doing minor things. Yeah. And you've got your boy and you've got your commander. Three. out. However, so it's, it's flying and indestructible. So, okay. okay one thing with commander, like it's, it's, he has evasion and protection, got evasion and protection. Right. Awesome. Um, but it says Kefnet, the mindful can't attack or block unless you have seven or more cards in hand. God, and that has an active, he has an activated ability strapped to him. So three uh-huh. and a blue, draw a card. Then you may return a land you control to its owner's hand. So he's designed to kind of try and help you keep your hand at seven. Yeah, right. Um, but that's still a steep cost because you're going to have turns where you're going to dump multiple cards, right? You're going to play a land and you're going to cast a spell. Like that's your turn one, right? Like you're already down, you're already moving down like in your, in your, count so it's kind of i i kind of like kefna i think is i'll be honest and talking he's a demanding about master for sure he is a very demanding master like i think kefna's kind of working uphill um to begin with if you're going to use him as a creature which i think plunges us into a differentiation that i want to kind of make here before i dive into my deck yeah what are you up to so i think as I was kind of looking at this a little bit the last few days, I was like, okay, I had mostly had what I had come up with already, already built out. Okay. But I was kind of curious. I'm like, well, what are other, what are other people doing? Okay. And I, I saw a handful of people trying to use Kefna as a Voltron. Oh yeah. Which we just talked about, like he does have those two tenants there. He has evasion and he has protection, but he's not on the clock. But he's not on the clock because he's a 5-5. Five five, yeah. Which means if nothing happens, you've got to hit somebody five times. 
with yeah. this guy. That two damage. See how the clock, man. Yeah, clock. It's, it it and so yeah. so. What are you doing? Well, now those people are piling in artifacts God, into dude, the that's deck. Fifteen combat steps in your favor, right? If you were the guy that was going to take everyone out, yeah, like it's and just you only had three opponents. It's really fifteen if combat steps. Being honest, way. it's untenable. Yeah, there's no way, right? Like so, let's let's compare this to maybe like Sigarda, right? Yeah. So Sigarda, she's asking for. You know, obviously the enchants, right? Yeah. Go the enchant route. But she doesn't have this barrier in the way where you've got to have seven cards in your hand for her to be able to be involved with combat. (laughs) Yeah. Right? She's so good. Like. As a Voltron. She is. Yeah. You can't sacrifice. She's hexproof. Right. Kefnet, he (laughs) needs you to have seven cards for you to even get involved. You also need to stack things in there in order for him to be a Voltron. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe those people that are doing this. So is that going to be the strategy? Then? That's not the strategy okay. I went with. All right. So, and so I think I can make my discussion of Kefnet pretty brief because I think Andy addressed something that I think is, is pretty key about a blue commander. Like you need to rely on what blue is good at. Mm. So let's just plug in a counter spell suite, right? <sighs> Okay, how how many do you have in yours? I think I'm running about like seven right now. I'll it's probably so go because like you have to like ex- you have you have to like do mental gymnastics to excuse the amount of counter spells you put in a deck. Like no one's gonna say that about like how many ramp spells do you have, <laughs> right? How many draw spells do you have? Like that's just a high immoral amount, <laughs> right? But I think it's because we know the implication of having like just yeah, it's preventing somebody else from playing what they want to do, yeah, right? Like just, yeah. So so I think I've got like seven in here right now. I'm probably gonna go up because there's only a handful of ways to win. <laughs> And I gotta get you there. You have a pretty tall order. It's it's cool that he's so like low mana cost, you know. So yeah, but what does I, he do for you when he's out on turn three? He so jumps he a does, land back to your hand. Yeah, he do, he does nothing. Yeah, essentially, it's like, like he turn, your next you turn down. you can activate his ability and send land back to your hand and keep yourself there. Yeah, like at I'm, turn three, essentially. Yeah, the further I'm thought, like the, I'm just like yeah, it's like not you're not going to use him right benefit. away. And so so here's the thing: is that like this whole deck is meant to just draw cards as hard as possible Mm -hmm. as hard as possible you know so just like getting those types of things in there honestly it would be interesting to put nezahal in this deck no it would um i think nezahal would actually be a a really good contributor but you're gonna put in ristic study uh you're gonna do things like like i think if you want to play yourself out a little bit something like mystic remora is is going to allow you to restock yourself so you can get back over that seven amount so you can kind of have, cause I think the thing is Kefnet is valuable as a creature. You can go in and jab people and kind of contribute cause other people are doing damage. Right. So, mm-hmm. so contribute, he's not going to win you the game, but he can be a blocker, whatever you need. Cause he's indestructible flying like anything major that's coming at you. If you can keep him in that creature range, you're, you're going to help prolong your game. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Like somebody sending a Voltron at you is, probably not a good idea unless they have trample right right i don't want to go too much over the card draw things like they're 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 there um you can figure that kind of stuff out in the venn diagram they're overlapping with mine i'm sure yeah exactly like it's it's all there um i i think a couple highlight cards in the in the deck there's there's spells there are spells like gush so you can kind of trick people a little bit 
with Kefnet, like he's in this position where everybody knows you don't have seven cards in hand. He's unable to do anything. Yeah. So they're going to send like a four, four at you or something. And like, maybe even if you're at like five, like in hand, they're looking at it like, okay, I know that you have mana up. You could, you could activate Kefnet's ability, but that's, yeah, I don't know if you're going to get there. Gush, you can, so it's four and a blue. Me return two islands you control to their owner's hand rather than pay Gush's cost. And then you can draw two cards. So you can jump yourself. Is that an instant speed? It's an instant speed. I think I want that for physics. So you can jump yourself four cards into your hand mm. um, with, that, with that one spell. Mm. Um, but let me, I don't know. I got even Does aggressive. Does it need to be untapped, those islands? No. Mm. Return two islands you control. But they don't need to be untapped. To their owner's hand. That's pretty sexy. So, yeah, I mean, like, I think that one's, that one's, probably overlooked because it's you can essentially pay zero to draw two cards if right. you want yeah um in this case that's what you're going to do it's really hot uh i actually got really aggressive though i will note with the with the card draw so i did throw in like font of mythos i threw in uh cami of the crescent moon everybody's getting card did you draw. come in as awakening i actually didn't really should have we've oh, been talking okay. about that one lately yeah yeah i really should have um, I have it in mind. I actually did put the Howling Mine friendly. Yeah, card Howling dresser. Mines in here as yeah. well. Um, so like, let's see, Archmage Ascension. So this is one. This one's in the deck. So it's two and a blue for an enchantment at the beginning of your end step. If you drew two or more cards this you're, turn, you're nuts. You may put a quest counter on Archmage Ascension. Uh, as long as Archmage Ascension has six or more quest counters on it, if you would draw a card. You may instead search your library for a card and put that card into your hand and shuffle your library. So you go to just tutoring. Oh my god! Instead of drawing. Yeah, um, if that people one comes are on not going to love that when they see that happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good. Good. But luck. I, I think, I think talking about like speed, like there comes a point where like you just, I don't know. I got to push the push the envelope around yeah, a little sure. bit, right? Uh, uh, let's see. So I put in I put in psychic possession because there's always Andy at the table. What does that do? So psychic possession is two and two blue. It's an aura. Um, so you enchant opponent. Skip your draw step. Whenever enchanted opponent draws a card, you may draw a card. Hey, fuck you, dude. Get out of so, here. So yeah, you wanna you wanna play your nasal hall deck? Is that? It's four. <laughs> <laughs> that's annoying. So you get your other card draw stuff set up that's like, you know, I mean, if you've got your your heuristic study set up and then somebody else is doing some card draw on their turn as well. Like, you well, cheeky bastard. Fine, I get to draw two. Yeah, I like that. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting one. Um, I like that a lot. So here's one that I want to try out in this deck, as foretold. It's two and a blue. All right, so I had that in Did this you? list and I played it last night and took it off the list. Really? You didn't like it? So let me read it off yeah, so that people it. know what it is. Yeah, so, so it's two and a blue for an enchantment. It says at the beginning of your upkeep, put a counter on as foretold. Um, once each turn, you may pay zero rather than pay the mana cost for a spell you cast with converted mana cost X or less, where X is the number of counters on as foretold. So the more yeah. counters this gets on it, the more spells are available to you to cast for nothing. Yeah. Uh, if people are wise, they'll remove it. So how, how do I, I had it out. I actually played it. Um, 
So I, the thing I can say from just experiencing this card, cause it's like, it's kind of like an eye, a pie in the sky kind of thing for sure. Like when you think about it, uh-huh. like, Oh, I can do all this stuff. Um, don't consider it ramp. <laughs> no, because it, it, it has to meet that criteria. Right. Right. Uh, but then I don't know at the same time, it kind of is when you cast ramp spells. Like I remember a turn I had where he was at two or it was, it was, it was loaded up to two and I, I was able to get pretty far that turn because I was able to put out a mind stone for free. Like the, the, the payoff from this thing isn't, isn't amazing yet. What the attention it calls is just like irrationally high. Yeah. Because right? I think I am sure what people what are thinking is best case scenario is you get omniscience for one spell, right? Yeah. Like that's kind of the best case scenario. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to it's pretty it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's just you kind of have to temper your like I, I think everyone's going to think it's more amazing than than, than, it than you'll realize it is when you start playing it. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Everyone's going to be scrambling to deal with it. And if you play in a play group where their way of dealing with your stuff is engaging in player destruction, like if they excuse combat steps going your way because you have some powerful enchant then it's probably like if you if that comes a lot up a lot in your play group like well you have you have as foretold that's why I'm attacking you even though you're at the lowest life total you're like uh, it only has two counters on it what am I gonna cast well they're not just they're just not gonna hear that you know right. what I mean like they're not gonna hear that like true true it's just it, but if you have a meta where they're like yeah that's pretty annoying but this guy over here is he's just he's <laughs> got to get managed a little bit I don't know I'd kind of gauge how you're how your meta reacts to it that, more than anything that makes sense and it's, and it's telling to me that you felt that way because i think if it if that's how you felt then that's probably how i'm gonna feel i, I felt like everyone was people. rushing me and if they knew it was in my hand they'd be like eh. i think i had like i think the best case thing that i had happen with it is i had a capsize in my hand but i still had to pay the buyback cost right so yeah it cut it in half you know i mean i'm used to fucking just paying only two blue for that bad boy <laughs> you know but it just I don't know. It wasn't, it just wasn't as yeah. game breaking as I thought it was going to okay, be. Okay. That's it's, fair. It's fairer than you think it is. That's fair. It doesn't just totally unhinge. So yeah, I'd say play it, but just get ready for like the inevitable, like everyone freaks out because they think you have some omniscient level card, you know, <laughs> and, when you, and when like you I say, I mean, that's best case scenario. If the game goes for a long time with that thing being out, right? Like, but eventually it eclipses everything that you've got. Well, sure. But that takes know. a long time, right? If you're not, once it got up to like four mana or four counters on mine, right. it was a free cast of turn. That's all I equated to be. Cool. You know, like I said, like I, really I said, it's at best an omniscience for one spell. Well, the cage sun is six mana, but yeah, it just, it just wasn't, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. That's... It's really good for ramp spells. I'm not going to lie. Like it's really cool to like just dump out like a Thran dynamo and then you didn't pay for that. <laughs> That's actually way like cool. Like that, that is what That's it's probably cool. the best thing for um, let's talk about just a couple other cards that I think are kind of cool in the deck and then get into win cons. Yeah. Um, training grounds, I think is, is if you're going to do Kefnet, you just need to have training ground, grounds in your deck. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's one for one blue for an enchantment, uh, activated abilities of creatures you control cost up to two less to activate. And this effect can be reduced. Can't reduce the amount of mana an ability cost to activate less than one mana. Uh, so yeah, you're putting that on Kefnet so that you can now use his ability to just spend two mana to draw a card, and if you want to return a land to your hand. Uh, but I think because of what 
Kefnet's doing. It also makes this this creature kind of an interesting pick for the deck as well. It's called the Royal Elemental. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's three and three blue for a three two. If flying, it has landfall. What is this? Um, so it's landfall oh, Royal trigger. Elemental. Yeah. So okay. So it says whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may gain control of target creature for as long as you control Royal Ele- Elemental. So I think. I think there may be a possibility with, oh yeah, he's, it's some pretty sick art. art. I think there's a possibility. I'm not doing this as much because I'm doing it with Unesh, but I think if with Kefnet, you could kind of like, well, yeah, you you could go the route of stealing things. Yeah. Okay. But it fits in with Kefnet because yeah, like you're going to have lands into your hand whenever you want, essentially. Um, so you can utilize that. Um, other, other, I think major win cons, uh, psychosis crawler just you know we're gonna draw cards so whenever yeah i think the key with psychosis crawler is whenever you draw a card each opponent loses one life and it and it also says it's power and toughness are equal to the number of cards in your hand so you have a big creature but the big thing is that your card draw is uh bringing everybody's life total down um lab maniac uh because i think that's just just something you I think those are the two primary things. If like what your deck is doing is just trying to draw really hard. Something I think you might be able to hasten the game a little bit with probably not necessarily win, but I think you're going to put people in a critical range potentially with is the chasm skulker. Mm. Uh, So two and a blue. So whenever you draw a card, put a one, one counter on chasm skulker. And then when chasm skulker dies, create a one, one blue squid creature token with Island walk where X is the number of one, one counters on chasm skulker. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I don't think there's anything particularly like special about Kefnet outside. Like you're going to do what you do in blue, right? Like you're going to draw cards. You're going to have a handful of win cons that kind of fit around that. You're going to have your counter spells in order to protect your game plan. And there are a few fun synergies that I think you can do like a, like a kind of illustrated, like using training grounds, using Royal Elemental, there's a few other cards that you can kind of do that sort of stuff with um, trying to keep yourself stocked up where you've got seven cards in hand. Ginger Taxius is in, in the deck list. You have this weird obsession about I him. I do have this weird obsession with him, but he actually is a perfect fit here, right? Because he immediately satisfies Kefnet's demand. <laughs> All right. So yeah, you have this weird perverse obsession with, that I don't guy know. Like it's just, it's just like, it's unnerving. I'm going to get a pillow. That's got like a cover. Of ginger taxis. Like one of like, those like hente <laughs> neck beard pillows. I'm just like. Those taco pillows, but it's just ginger taxis <laughs> just with like a bikini on. Gin every night and like, like tweaking gin's nipples. Like. <laughs> and keep telling him it's for science, so he's okay with it. It's for science, buddy. It's, it's for, for science, science man. Like, it's well, for science. All right. No, dude, that's weird. But gin, it's for science. Uh, all right. Yeah, I mean, like I say, it's not. There's nothing particularly special about it, but I think you can. I think you can. If you want a blue option, it could be interesting. Um, if you want one that's not necessarily like readily apparent as an oppressive deck, an oppressive commander. Yeah, because I think like Azami and and you know Teferi, like those are obviously going to be oppressive and difficult to deal with. Like Kefnet, you got some work to do. If you're going to win with this guy. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think where we're kind of coming from is like mono blue is easy. 
and hard at the same time. Yeah, like you it's, can do what Blue wants to do really easily. Yeah. But you can't win easily. <laughs> right, because it's not concerned with other people's life totals. It just isn't. It's it's just trying to establish itself in an, in an uh, omniscient way, I guess. Like omniscience is like the the Blue's ultimate goal, right? Yeah. I think is the way i want to describe blue but like in the end like no one's really dying yeah like you're not closing the game out lab man is a way to go but yeah it may be it might not there's faster ways to do that like a zombie lady of scrolls yeah like exactly our, our, our girl for that the exactly. stack stuff like teferi because of that untap that he's got like yeah you have access to that at any given moment so yeah i think you know? i think our we kind of come with that caveat like there are options that are more effective at doing i think what both of you just both of us just described we're just trying kind of trying it out with these these relatively new commanders i said i did see people a lot of people talking about patron of the moon and their discussions about kefnet um in terms of like he only just lets you get yeah he's like a really big what is he again so it's a it's it's seven mana for a, a spirit that's offering yeah it has a moonfolk offering which says you may play this card anytime you could play an instant or by sacrificing a moonfolk so which it just gives him flash okay and who's a moonfolk i don't even know um okay yeah and then but it, it's flying it has this activated ability of just paying one you can put two land cards from your hand into play uh into play tapped um, which it's, it is in the deck. It's a good fit in the deck. I think a lot of people were kind of like seeing they're drawing some inspiration from that deck because you're going to have some land yeah. play things. He's come up quite a bit on some discussion stuff like that, that patron of the moon. Uh, it's just his mana requirement. It's just really high. Yeah, it's I high. wish it, I wish it was like a zero one creature that was really easy to gimp. That wasn't so much mana. Right. Cause it, it it's is just, a little it's a non-identity card. Like it's doing a green thing. Oh yeah, you know for blue. Yeah, but how much you have to pay to activate the ability? It's just one mana to activate it. So how much total if you want to do it in the same turn? Oh yeah, so you've got to pay eight if you get it out, and then you want to dump two. Yeah, so like you're with the time eight mana you, to give yourself the, two lands. The, 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 I think the thing about uh. Patron of the Moon is like as a commander, it would be kind of clunky because when you want to be putting out, you want to be ramping with blue. Mm-hmm. You've is already, he flying? You've already yeah, it is. And what's its power toughness? Five four. I've already spent seven. You're already up to seven mana at that point. In yeah. Kefnet, it kind of makes sense because you're probably sending lands back to your hand. There's Soramo too, right? Isn't Soramo yeah. just like a functional, very f- functionally similar? I believe Kefnet. His power yeah. and toughness are equal to the number of cards in hand, isn't it? Let me let me see here. Or am I spell? Am I saying it right? Soramo or Soremo or whatever. There's also the Aeon Chronicler while you're looking. So for I that. I did put the Aeon Chronicler in the deck. See, I don't. And so, so to read really cool, actually, yeah, to read it off, it's, it's actually a little bit weird because you, so you're probably going to want to play it suspend cost, but to give it converted mana cost, it's three and two blue. And it says, and Chronicles power and toughness are each equal to the number of cards in your hand, but it has this suspend weird suspend mechanic. So you can pay X three and a blue and X can't be zero. So it says gotta be four. Yeah. So whenever a time counter is removed from Aeon Chronicler while it's exiled, uh, draw a card. So you can like suspend it for like a really big thing and it's just automatic auto card draw for you, right? On your upkeep. But for one turn. Well, you can plunge in as much as you want into X. Right. I wish it was just X and a blue, like that three. That would be nice. 
but yeah, like let's say you have just like a dead turn that you're like, I want to draw cards. I, I kind of put this one up with um, uh, Mind's Eye. Oh, yeah. You know, like I think, I think Mind's, if you're going to play this card, you'd, you'd probably just want to play Mind's Eye. Sure. And, but Mind's Eye really doesn't, it doesn't lend itself to blue very well, you know? Yeah. Because you're because holding you wanna, up mana. You're holding up mana and you want to hold up your mana for other purposes. Right. And then the second they draw their card, you have to commit the mana right. to draw. And blue has better options. Yeah. But it only has really two. So well, I think what we're thinking about when we're talking about this card is like a permanent that nets you cards over time. That's not just like, not like a brainstorm or something. Or, sure. Or a blue sun zenith. It's a permanent that just keeps netting you cards, right? Right. I feel like if I was about to play the Aeon Chronicler, I'd just be like, fuck it, I'm going to play the Mind's Eye. And you, you know? You know, I mean, like, in terms of, like, body size, it's going to be exactly like the the Psychosis Crawler, right? Like, you got a large, you got a body that's equal to your, equal hand, to your size. hand size. Right. Like, so you may have a, a formidable creature considering what you're doing, which, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's a, it's an interesting window to try and, like, work with, right? Yeah. Like plan plan blue. But yeah, the guy I was talking about is Soromo First to Dream. So it's four a blue and a blue for a legendary creature spirit. Flying Soromo First to Dream's power and toughness are equal to the number of cards in your hand. You can pay four, sound familiar, to return a land you control to its owner's hand, draw a card. Oh yeah. So he's <laughs> he's Kefnet, pretty much. Yeah, he's doing Kefnet's ability. But he's But like but there's no May option with that, like returning a land to your card. Like you just gotta do it. Right. Like so, comparable, yeah. interchangeable? interchangeable. Maybe, maybe Inter- interchangeable. Well, this guy would be a flying seven-seven that doesn't have to have cards in hand to attack or block. It's true, but he's not indestructible. It's true. <laughs> it's it's just yeah, like pick your poison, I guess, right? right. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, mono blue. It's fucking weird. Hey, thanks for joining us for the Legendary Creature Podcast. Music this episode is from a new artist that we got permission from. His name is Protector101. The song is Street Trash. The album is Neoncali. We'll post a link to his stuff in our episode notes. Be sure to support him because he is so kind for letting us use his music. Also, Andy and I will post links to our tapped out page where you can find our mono blue deck list. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at legend underscore creature. And rate us where you found us, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever. It helps us know how we're doing and what you think. And until next time, play some mono blue and protect your precious bodily fluids. I do not avoid women, Andre. Yeah. But I, I do deny them my essence.